do it until it breaks, and then we. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If we got to we'll, switch, we'll we'll throw in one of Uncle Keeler's commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who <laughs> else throws in commercials? Who's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pixelit. My name is Kevin. With me, as always, is Phil. And today on the show, we are walking a tightrope, hoping our recording <laughs> setup st- continues to work because it's given like 15 different errors over the past hour. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see if uh, it works. It, well, fuck it. But, but nothing will stop us from providing you people with quality content. We are going to talk about Shadowkeep. Well, this is part three of our Shadow Keep series, the last part of our Shadow Keep series, because whoop, my book fell apart. Whoop, it, <laughs> I only I only have half of it. I can't finish the book. Is Kevin's copy of Shadow Keep existed for exactly as long as it needed to? That's and all. The there binding, was. the binding, mystically dissolved. It just it just fell apart. It it, it the the book shouted. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And and it was and and it is done and it fell apart. Everything it ended. fell apart. I I have nothing left. Nothing uh, left. But Shadow Keep has but, ended, and and that's the end of that. So yeah. all we have left are our memories of Shadow Keep. All we have left are memories of of uh, Shadow Keep gone by. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Um, so, Phil, if you could start us off with a little bit of a recap on what happens uh, last episode. You great. bet your sweet bippy I'll do that. Uh, last episode, we started with Chapter 5, where we encountered a uh, pack of hungry goblins uh, attacking a caravan of reptilian bipeds. Uh, uh, we had a fascinating uh, discussion about who are people really, uh, and uh, and and came to the conclusion that apparently goblins are not people, while bipedal uh, snake men are indeed people. So that happened. Um, our hero uh, Proctor uh, killed his first person, took his first life. Uh, found that it was super easy, but also super disagreeable. Difficult. He was not a yeah, man. deep down inside. Uh, and that brought us to chapter seven, where, or sorry, chapter six, where we are met with a caravan of people from Kep Basin, which is the uh, the town that exists beneath Shadowkeep. Basically, people are evacuating. It is a full scale evacuation because uh, uh, apparently everybody knows that this demon is coming uh, and we're not running into a lot of heroes going the opposite direction, which I found kind of funny. No heroes. Uh, yeah. Uh, we are introduced to Norrell, who is the innkeeper of the town of Kep Basin, who's big the only person man. who stayed behind. Big What's beefy that? man. He's a big, big beefy, beefy man. old man. He's just a big old beefy man. Big old, big old, big old beefy boy uh, with his mighty yeah. meals. And, mighty uh, meals. He, mighty meals for beefy boys. That's our brand. <laughs> and, and he's he was he's just he's he's what a weird I think might be the weirdest character in this book um, because his stance is basically that, you know, I, I'm an innkeeper. I've been selling stuff. Basically, he's been selling his rooms to humans only because they happen to be the people who were passing by. He has no yeah. problem with yeah. uh, assisting demons who might need a room for a day or two uh, right. or even 15 minutes. 
course. Uh, he, hey, if you if you catch if you catch right? drifts there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it brings us to uh, chapter seven, where they they've had uh, a large meal with Norrell and he proceeds to give us to this. Now we've finished the book. I can positively say this was the weirdest part of the book. He gives Proctor, our protagonist, the weirdest sales pitch, basically just walks him through all this stuff that has been left behind by heroes. Uh, I kept waiting for it to connect to something and it never did. It was literally just this weird guy with uh, with a what did you compare it to? It was the it's um, Glenn Shadow, Glenn Keep. It's right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shadow Gary Glenn Glenn Keep. He's just trying to sell <laughs> land and, and and multifaceted jewels to this young man. You know, it's the only thing they're nothing. not making any more of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Demon opals. Uh, yeah, and and, 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 and we, that leads us to them finally leaving Norrell, leaving Kep Basin, and uh, entering into Shadow Keep. Finally, uh, almost almost over halfway through the book. Uh, through Hooker by Crook, they make their way in. Um, uh, Merrill, uh, what's her name again? Merrill? Merrill. Merrill uh, is uh, basically earning her keep by uh, knowing how to use riddles and, and figure her way through the puzzles that will get them in, that'll get them through. This, this continues through the book. She explains these feats to no one, uh, thus keeping her importance to the party sound. Uh, I, I very weirded out by the fact that she is the only character who seems to whisper to people and we as the reader are left entirely in the dark. And this is where we're introduced to that trope. Uh, finally, we get into uh, chapter eight where we get our first fight with uh, somebody in the Shadowkeep, a group of faceless uh, sub-demons, more than humans, less than devil. Uh, Never really that kind described. Of thing. Never really. They, yeah kind of just vaguely horrifying things. They do a lot of fighting slash running. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and we uh, get into a lot of traps. Our Rue friend uh, proves to be an idiot on like a lot of, uh, of situations, like just setting one trap off after the other in rapid succession. Um, never learning his lesson. Never learning and his lesson. Never learning his lesson. And finally, uh, the, he basically just makes it through uh, through the goodwill of his friends uh, and, and just a whole lot of luck, which seems to be his main uh, stat uh, is luck. And then finally, the <laughs> chapter ends. <laughs> he didn't put it in, in intelligence or luck wisdom. was not the dump stat for him. No, it was the only stat. Uh, and, and the chapter ends with them running away from a horde of angry trolls uh, who are interested in uh, consuming their flesh, consuming their flesh. It just that is what it is. Flesh consumption. That's, yeah. um, you know, it's good. It's the name of the game. Yeah. And, and that brings us to chapter nine of Shadowkeep. That brings us to chapter nine of Shadowkeep. And in chapter nine, uh Basically, chapter eight ended with Sranel like screaming from another room or making a sound. And in chapter nine, it's a false alarm. Sranel's fine. Um, yeah, uh, we, we don't get to see him horribly dismembered like we were all keeping our fingers crossed. No, he's fine. He found a skullcap hidden behind uh, some sort of clear crystal kind of their description of it almost makes me think of the 
like transparent aluminum from Star Trek, um, yeah. which is what they're what the windows are made out of in Star Trek. It's not glass. It's transparent aluminum. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I was just reminded of that briefly. Um, so they take turns trying to figure out ah, how do we get it, get this? How do we how do we figure it out? And Merrill's like, don't worry, guys, I got it. And she walks up to it. She like stares at it for a little while. And then her delicate little fingers like <laughs> touch it right and pops that bad boy right open. And uh, yeah. uh, she gives the skull cap, which is made out of spun silver to Practor, who gives it to uh, Srannel because Srannel saw it first and Srannel tries to put it on. But he can't wear skull cap because he's a little kangaroo man and he has big, big, yeah. big kangaroo ears. Big old floppy ears. Big old floppy ears. So Srannel gives it back to Practor and Practor puts it on and he's he's now protected from a direct blow to the head. Uh, they do to make a rod. point of saying, like, I guess it's better than just it's better than nothing. Head. Yeah, <laughs> it's more protective than hair. It I guess. really is level one Final Fantasy shit at that yeah. point. You know? Yep. Um, and Merrill's like, you don't feel anything. You're not feeling a twitch of anything. You're not dying or anything. Merrill and Practice like, nah. Mm-mm. Moving on. Um, Moving so they on. go. They go to. They find a. Uh, Practor's like, oh, that's a weird thing over there. And he walks over and they're like, what? These giant chess pieces that are out? And he said, no, the mirror with a hinge. And he opens up this mirror. <laughs> he opens like, what? up this, What? <laughs> he opens up a mirror because there's a big mirror and he opens it up and there's an iron vault door behind it. And uh, basically they spend a good amount of time trying to figure out what the the what what is this what's going on um and uh they're like well maybe it's a puzzle maybe we have to move the chess pieces around to solve it and uh the chess pieces aren't actually there they are just ethereal projections of chess pieces which is a theme we run into a lot we run into it a few times is like things aren't things that you see aren't actually there um so they can't touch the chess pieces and they're like all right well we gotta go like, we, we're not figuring this out right now. Srannel is like, but mom. Um, and uh, they continue on their merry way. And along the way, Merrill finds a stick. She finds a stick. Uh, finds it, a stick. It looks like a stick. Srannel and Practor are like, why? And she's like, it's <laughs> it's got writing on it. And it's got runes. It's got it's got runes. And I don't know the language. So that's neat. Um, which look, look, if I was a dungeon crawler, I'd be insufferable for that very reason. I'd be like, yeah. there's right. I think it's neat. I'm keeping it. It's the, it's the Skyrim, you know, you just yep. pick everything. You just steal it all. Pick it all empty, up. Empty body into yep. backpack. Yep. The end. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, you're just hitting E for take all and you're not really yeah, discerning it. what's on the body. <laughs> yeah, I'll deal with it later. I'll, I'll like, figure oh, out I if this it, is... I, I picked up the quest item I didn't notice. <laughs> right, right. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't move. Why is it? Oh, I've got 97 uh, leather vests in my uh, un- backpack. Being under-encumbered is for cowards. <laughs> that's that's playing true easy mode my that's friend. playing true easy mode you want actually a, being choosy want, on what you, you pick want a, up you want a man's game that'll put some hair on your chest <laughs> steal everything 
what Don't what kind of luxurious any. life you must have. Yeah. My Skyrim <laughs> character carries the world on his back. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, uh, we're she finds a stick. It's kind of it's kind of neat. And uh, they move on. They get to a they they basically reach the end of the hallway and there's just a black wall at the end. And it's just like mm-hmm. it is so black. It's like Vanta black. You know, they yeah. you you cannot see any. There's just it, they're like, well, what are we going to do? And uh, Hargrad was like, well, I didn't want to say anything, but the trolls are coming. <laughs> yeah. Hargrad, I swear to God, man, maybe maybe speak up. He's <laughs> like, I didn't want to ruin the moment. Uh, but the trolls did find their way through the, 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 the wall of flashing colors and they're on the way. Yeah. Um, so we better can, move. So we better move. So, um, yeah, they, they, they decide to crawl. They like touch the black wall. It's another portal. So yeah. they're like, all right, we're going. And they end up in this room. It's, it's a circular room and this scene was kind of neat because because of what happened. So it's a circular room. Uh, in the center, there is a pool of murky water mm-hmm. uh, with a stick. Uh, sticks are a recurring theme here. It's yeah. actually it's actually more of a it, it's clearly more of like a walking stick. It's like the first thing she finds is looks like just just a, a branch or whatever you snap off a tree. This yeah. looks like a, a, a an actual walking stick. It looks like it has purpose. It, 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 I, I had it. I they never described it as such, but I had it in my head that it was like a shillelagh or something like that. Just yeah, kind of gnarled something stick. Yeah, it also has the writing sim, similar writing on it that the the other stick has. Um, yep. So they're like, and there is a um, there's an opening in the ceiling leading to another tunnel that they can see. So they're like, all right, well, we're going to get across there and we're going to drop, jump on Hargrod's shoulder and then we're going to have to pull him up. Like, plan, plan, plan. Okay. Right. They have to cross the the mucky water to get there. So they get in there. Practor goes in first and it is gross. It is <laughs> it is algae-filled, muddy swamp water and it's going <laughs> up to his knees. And he's just like, oh. And (laughs) (laughs) it's true, though. He's just Um, like, oh, okay. This is worse than being chased by the trolls. This is this is worse. Can we go be eaten by the trolls now? Yeah, that that Um, sounds better. That does sound better. So (laughs) they continue along and they're like, all right, well, let's get the stick while we're here. Merrill is really showing Skyrim in ingenuity. Oh, it's like, let's pick it all up. And uh, nobody can move it except Hargrod. So Hargrod goes and he gives it a tug, rips it out. And they're like, all right. And then a claw comes up out of the water and nearly bisects Hargrod. Mm-hmm. Just a, the vivisection right in the middle of the of the murky water. He gets out of the way because he's Superman. Of course. Um, he's the fastest reaction of all time. And... There is a monster. They back up. And this monster is it's it is kind of disgusting looking the way he described it. It's it has it has like no neck. It is just this fleshy eyeball monster with a giant mouth. 
And yeah, very, very tentacly and just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the. Um, I remember DMing a game where they had it was like a shambling pile or something like that. Which yeah, is, sure. Which is which is I think it that's just decaying leaf matter. Uh, <laughs> I I changed it because it, more, it was more fitting to a to a corpse pile. So basically it was like a ball of like corpses kind of like shambling towards the yeah. party. That's, That's what, it, what, it, what it made me think of a little bit. Um, so at the same time, removing the stick, um, <laughs> give him the stick. Don't give him the stick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> removing the stick caused uh, the water like a a basically a, a basin to start draining into the room. Yeah. So they got this monster and now the room is also filling up with water. Uh, yeah. Hargrod is fighting off the monster because he's literally the only one capable. So pretty he's, much. Yeah. He's, he's ducking, diving, uh, dodging, uh, <laughs> dodge, duck, dive, D- di- dodge, duck, dash, uh, dash and dodge. He's <laughs> dashing. He's dodging. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, yeah. Bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like this double whammy of just like the, yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's the, it's the, uh, it's the trash compactor scene in Star Wars. It is. It's very much the trash compactor scene. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the environmental hazard while you're fighting off a horrible tentacle monster. Yes. You don't get a good look at it. I will say that for uh, Alan Dean Foster with his monster, sometimes we don't get any description at all, uh, like the 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 the, the demonette kind of things. Um, but he does do a good job of like giving you just enough information to let your imagination fill in the rest. I know that that's not fashionable these days, uh, but it's pretty cool. Right. And uh, this was a this was a great example of it. What did they What did they call it? It was had a weird ass name. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was the um, a Brolachian, a Brolachian. Yeah, yeah, Brolachian. Yeah, here we go. It seemed to have neither ears nor neck, only a watery, bloated face. It rose higher above the surface of the pool, displaying several lantern like eyes and a vast cavern of a mouth. And that's pretty much all we get. That's kind of enough, if you ask me. That's all you really need. That's pretty gross. I think it's pretty gross. I'm not I'm not a fan of that. Um, (laughs) So to get out of the room, they decide, all right, well, we got to wait for the water to raise us up to the the opening in the ceiling. They do that. They crawl up. They're all good. Hargrod is like like basically gets an arm up onto the thing. He's like, this thing's not dying. They pull Hargrod up and they're like, all right, well, we're here, we're safe. And Merrill's like leans over the opening and says, I think the water stopped coming in so we don't have to rush down the thing. Yeah. And then the thing grabs Merrill and pulls her back into the it water. It just pulls her right down. <laughs> oh, Merrill. Um, Merrill. Yeah, Practor jumps right into the water and saves her. Practor. Uh, he, he uses a sword to slice at the thing. It doesn't really do anything. Um, and then Merrill explains later that there's nothing you can do to a Brolachian unless you stab it through the brain. Yeah, uh, it it's will constantly regenerating. It will just be constantly regenerating. 
Yeah. Uh, Proctor does save her, pulls her out. The Brolachian then tries to like send up a tentacle through the passage to them, but it's ju- they're just out of reach. Yeah. And they continue. What I imagine is basically crawling through a air shaft, kind of like in Die Hard. Uh, yeah, I was I was like, are they in the ventilation system? Now? <laughs> it, it felt that way. It totally did. And, and by the way, this is another great example of like, I really wish I had played the game or something like that. It's tough with this one, but it almost feels and there are lots of moments like this. But at this point, it almost feels like the author is telling the reader, if you play the game, you should probably mostly be running. Because everyone right. puts up a fight briefly and and then just hauls ass. This is three for three that this has happened. Yeah. The yeah. goblins are the only people they could stand up to. They, you know? they killed the shit out of the goblins. Oh, I mean, they killed the shit out of them. Killed, but, they uh, murdered the shit out of them. Murdered the shit out of those goblins. But but they're goblins. You know, it's like a quarter CR each. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You need like 50 of them to make up one challenge rating point it's not even not even worth it not even worth it uh Merrill ends the chapter by flirting more um dude <laughs> i i like to think like they they didn't go too deep into it but practice girl back home with the weird name uh i i like i just cyanide. imagine her her name is cyanide right yeah <laughs> it's i just i'm imagining her as like this broad beamed kind of like you know, uh, uh, farmhand kind of lassie. That's just what sticks out in my head. And it's like, girl, his girl back home will crush your elfy ass. Like she will break you yeah. into the into a powder if yeah. you don't stop flirting with this farm boy. I swear to God. Swear to God. <laughs> swear she to God, Meryl. She doesn't know what she's getting into. She will crush your taut 80-year-old ass. <laughs> your immature octogenarian ass just knock it off anyway that's that's the end of chapter nine then we move on to chapter 10 and we get the party the party has a restful moment basically they are they find themselves in a water reservoir that is Mm -hmm. possibly i get the the i got the picture that this was where the water came from to fill up the brolachian's room yeah, this used to be fuller than it is now, that yeah. kind of thing. So they chill in the water reservoir and they have the classic like, oh, what are you going to do when we find the treasure type thing? Yeah. And they each have their own thing. Srannel would just get incru- gem encrusted stuff because it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merold would open a school to teach kids of all races. Hargrod would buy a house for his family on a warm southern continent. And Proctor would... Give up smithing and, yeah. get, and buy a nice house for for scurvy and dream, dream high, kid. Like, dream, aim, the, aim a little bit aim high. I, I wanted to say dream big and aim high, and I went with dream high. Dream which high is is a is a is a, a subject that is not unfamiliar to me. Yeah, uh, but not what I meant <laughs> in the moment. Um, and Mer- the conversation kind of comes to an end when Merrill suggests to Practor that maybe the spinner always intended for you to be the one that took this adventure because you're so good at getting people together. Uh-huh. And and Merrill and Practor's like, meh, I, I don't nah. like that concept because it takes away my agency. 
Um, <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he says that in so much of a huff. That's you know that's what he means. That's what he means. Yeah, yeah. Which is an interesting idea, you know. Foster likes to throw in, like in what would what is actually otherwise just kind of a fairly standard dungeon crawl. Yeah, he, we don't we don't dwell on it. We don't get too deep into it, but yes, we have talked about whether or not it's uh, whether or not a goblin's a human being or a person. Yes, we have talked about the fact that you feel hollow and empty by killing somebody dead. Uh, yes, we have talked about agency and you know a clever idea of like, well, yeah. he wasn't actually looking for your blacksmith boss at all. He was just uh, he was trying to get you get get the right people surrounding him into this fight, and that's how you did it. And I don't I don't really buy that argument for the record because the spinner kind of the spinner seemed to have his own self esteem issues. The, the spinner doth correctly. protest too much for that be to, to, that to be the case. Yeah, yeah. I like to think that the that the spinner like if he was there he would have been like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, she's absolute, right, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely what I meant to do. So you yeah, figured she, it out. She, this is this is the Merrill's is kind of annoying chapter. So Merrill yeah. says that to Practor, and Practor gets huffy, and then she plays a joke on Hargrod for really no reason. None. Uh, Hargrod's like, "Oh, how do we open this door?" And she's like, "Oh, let me cast a magic spell." And she pretends to cast a magic spell and then just opens the door and says it was unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, the- like Hargrod doesn't deserve that. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Like if anyone you want to do that to, it's it's the friggin' Rue. Like he's, you know, Hargrod's been nothing. Hargrod literally risked his life Hargrod's just now. Hargrod's the only like, reason that you guys are alive at the Oh, moment. he is such an effective tank. As we brought up last time, like he is... Very many levels ahead of them. It's, you know, and I do. It's like the graph is like the more she talks, the more annoying she becomes. Yeah. At first it was like, oh, she's mysterious and interesting. And she uses her brain. That's cool. That's an interesting character. She's super smart. Smart as a whip. Knows her way around things. And then it's like, well, you are just kind of being mean to people a lot, too. Or just kind of, which they then, said is like a trait of the of the the Thaladar people, I guess. Yeah, but is is kind of being you know hoity toity and condescending. But yes, she in, that's in the exactly last the few word. chapters of the book, she really turns it up to eleven. Oh my god, yeah, like it's it doesn't go down from here. She really gets more and more condescending as this goes on. As in in the next scene, they come into a room with broken furniture and a chest. And Sranel opens the chest and there's nothing but junk uh, until yeah. the chest explodes in a giant fireball and throws like everybody aside. And uh, then Meryl spends like two pages Socratically talking them through. Well, why might this be like this? You, you're just not observing well enough. And, yeah. and Sranel is... Just about to like stab her in the throat, I think. Right. At this point. He's so sick of her. He's so yeah. She's like, hey, remember when you know you went after things that are valuable and a trap went off? But like, it wouldn't it make sense then that if something seems kind of mundane, it would and and then she falls and starts bleeding, and we see a bipedal kangaroo man with a sharpened screwdriver standing above her. Yeah. Uh, and and nothing of value was lost. 
the book ends there. The book um, ends. That's it. That's it. That's the whole book. Merrill basically walks them through and then finally gets to the point of like, look over there where the pile, there's a bigger pile of junk than everywhere else. And they move aside the pile of junk and there's a, an iron door behind it. Like, Merrill, we already know you're smart. You don't mm-hmm. have to do the thing where you show how smart you are for 15 minutes before showing what the what you figured out and before before oh so intelligently figuring out that maybe the pile of shit is covering a door yeah like, <laughs> i don't think we needed a sage for that we didn't need we needed a, a cleanup crew yeah so they they uh and then she continues on the same thing where where Srannel is about to touch the door and she's like Oh my good Rue. And she it takes like another two paragraphs to explain like why he she shouldn't he shouldn't touch it. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then she spits on the handle and it sizzles because the, yeah. the handle is hot. And then she spits on the Rue and calls him a dirty mud blood and uh Yeah. And the and the book ends. And the book ends. <laughs> uh, no, they they basically they figure out that. Okay, well, the sticks that they've collected are have some some a power to them, and Hargrod uses one of the sticks to to pry the door open, to like lower the latch and pry the door open, and everything is good and dandy. Uh, they get the door open, and uh, wouldn't you know it? It's basically Scrooge McDuck's uh, vault in behind yeah. this door. It's the they cave finally of, find the it, treasure room. It's the cave of wonders from Aladdin. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they basically they're walking around. They're looking at all the treasure. Srannel's like doing a Scrooge McDuck dive through the gold. And Practor and Merrill both realize that, oh, the reason this room is here is just to bribe people because right. Why would it be here other than to stop people from continuing any further? Uh, yeah. So they're like, we're going to go. And Srannel is pissed. Yeah, he is not having <laughs> he it. He is not having it. He is not having it. And they all he's, walk away. He's, he's learned nothing, but he's also not wrong. It's like, it's weird. It, yeah. You're in a you're in a weird position with Srannel because it's like, on one hand, you're like, dude, you have been you've nearly died like 19 times always because you you just went after some treasure you didn't know anything about and on the other hand it's kind of like this thing of like yeah let him let him have a bobble if it'll make him happy just like give him give him something give him a little something you know and i think he takes some stuff on the way out the door yeah he takes some jewelry and stuff like that and like a jeweled dagger or something like that so they they leave and they continue on Sranel catches up at the party and Practor is like, oh, blah, the guilt got the better of you. And Sranel's like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> yeah, he truly does. He's like, what are you ta- guilt? <laughs> fuck yourself. Like, I'm not, what are you talking about? <laughs> the guilt got the better of me. Party's, uh, party's in a real tenuous state at the moment. <laughs> it's true. Morale, all-time all low. Time low. <laughs> all-time low. They've known each other for four days, and it's never been as bad as this. <laughs> Just, oh, God. Is this where Serrano explains to them why he's obsessed with treasure? And it's not It's not about greed and, like, actually wanting to no, be rich, he, but he, he like, likes it. Yeah, in the, in the scene before, that's when he explains that it's, it's the aesthetic. He likes yes. shiny things. He likes having like, 
he instead of just like a, the crappy basin he always bathes in, he wants a nice one. You know, it's just right. the little aesthetic changes. It's like, yeah, it's like you just want to go to be like, you are literally talking about being rich. Like that is that is no different whatsoever. That is just just having nice <laughs> things is what rich is. It's like old. it's like I don't I don't have a you know, I, I it's not that I have to. Be opulently wealthy and have a you know ruby encrusted I just catalog. Look like I am opulently but wealthy. But wouldn't that it would just look better if I had a? I just like the aesthetic of being rich more than the aesthetic of being poor. That's all. That's all. Like what's what's so hard to understand about that? What's so hard? To, yeah, what's, come on, oh, come on, yeah. come on, yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, they find Gore Withers Library. Yes, they do. They do. And uh, Merrill's, I mean, this is the most excited you're going to get uh, Merrill's. Uh, this is her treasure room. This is her treasure room. Except she can't read any of the books because they're written in Gore Withers' weird-ass language that he writes everything <laughs> down in. Um, so they just start looking around. She's like, well, maybe he had a diary or something that he was... Oh, I love this scene so and much. And they eventually find a diary... And there's nothing in it. It's blank. The pages are uh, blank. Well, if I might interject, they she literally says, we need to find, I, I feel like we need to find a diary, something that is handwritten. Look for something that's handwritten. Hargrod says like this and picks up the diary. It's like the first thing anyone tried for. He's like, I got it on the first try. <laughs> which, which, look. That's better than four pages of them, like, just shiftlessly, like, searching for yeah, stuff. Yeah. But Hard is like, like it was on the table. It was the only book right on there. the table. There's it was next to a sign that said diary. I don't know. I don't from know, the weird. desk of Gore Wither. <laughs> top of the page says, dumb things I got to do today. <laughs> oh, it's his checklist. Cool. Oh, cool. And uh, by Norrell uh, Steak. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means. Um, no, that's weird. Huh. Yeah. So they find his diary, quote unquote diary. There's really nothing in it except for mm. a glass crystalline shard type thing uh, that everybody is like at now. Merrill's like, well, why are you taking that? And Practor's like, it's useful. And maybe you, it's you just said you just we're <laughs> picking up random sticks in the hallway. <laughs> You pick up random sticks. I pick up random pieces of glass. We've both got a thing. We got our things. We're very well-developed characters. Um, so <laughs> they can, then there's a bit of, they, they search around the library a little bit more, don't find anything and continue on to the next room where there's a statue and a giant mirror. And yes. they, uh, he used in this part of the, the, the book, he uses one of my favorite words, supplicant. I love supplicant is a great word. I love yeah. supplicant. Um, it's yeah. it, supplication. It really makes me think of um, oh, what was the the game that you just did a video on earlier in the year? Uh, oh, uh, uh, blasphemous. Blasphemous. I feel like they yeah. had the the word supplicant was used in blasphemous. Oh, absolutely. That that that's one of those very Catholic words that very uh, Catholic pops word. up in games like that. Yeah, uh, supplication. Basically, I mean means it's like giving yourself it's, up it's to like something. being down it's the, the the like being down on your knees and your palms in the air and you're like right you are giving yourself up to at, 
at the mercy of the gods uh, yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a cool room. This is it's, this is a room I would like to have in my in my uh, D&D game. Yeah. This is a cool room. It is a cool room. They they have a bit of a debate whether there's anything in the room. And Meryl's like, what? They're all like, yeah, let's go. And Meryl's like, have you guys learned nothing? Look around. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it, we're back on her side at that point where you're just like, no, we've got to search the room, guys. Like, like the, the other three guys just like walked in. We're like, I don't know. It's mirror. And they start leaving. And Meryl's like, fucking Christ. OK, yeah. um, she you search for traps. You and then yeah. and then Strannel's like, what do you think the mirror is a portal? And he touches the mirror and it's a portal. It, it falls through, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he touches it. He pulls his hand back. And then Practor is like, all right, fine. I'll go through. So Practor goes through. Yeah. Everybody else goes through. And it's a one-way portal. Yes. And they find themselves in a, like kind of a domed, um, in basically this domed room that has a crystal in the center of it. And through some debate and investigation, they figure out that the crystal like Gore Wither is inside of it. He is trapped yeah. inside of this crystalline formation. Uh, so this, this, the, the, these weird magical wooden sticks have been useful for other things. So Practor hits the crystal a few times with the wooden stick, which causes it to start to resonate and glow and uh, basically shatter into a million pieces. And wouldn't you know it, there's Gore with her. They've yeah. completed their quest. They have freed the wizard. No. And Gore with her is not exactly the guy they were expecting. He's, he's not the guy. He's, he's basically, <laughs> I actually kind of imagined him as what's his name from, um, from Mad Men, um, uh, uh, Sterling. I, I imagined him with like, uh, oh, what's his name? What's the actor's name? Um, Man, man. I don't, I'm not too. That's a blind spot for me. Uh, John Slattery, um, who also played. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, I yeah, imagine yeah. imagine him like coming out like because they're talking about like you don't look like a wizard because he has he has close cropped white hair which uh, which is like uh, I I think what's his name uh, Practor's like I've never seen hair that closely cropped before which is right. like okay it's a weird observation bro. So it's kind of a weird thing to say, but okay. Uh, sure. But yeah, he's he's got like close, you know, he's got like a high and tight silver haircut, and he he's coming out like a silver fox, just like oh, fuck. <laughs> a couple hundred years in that thing. Anyway, and he starts like gathering up crystal shards, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, I know, I'm Gore with her." And they're like, "Oh, okay, we we've we've done it. You, you could go. Kill so we're good, right? We're good, right? This you is could, it." He's like, "Oh no, I'm dead." And they're like, what? Can you say that again? He's like, no, which, I'm very which, uh, like, you know, that just sounds like it, it sounds just like he was like, I don't want to do. No, I'm oh, not. In, no, no, I'm fading this away. Um, yeah. Oh, dead. This is, he's like, uh, he's like, oh, no, I'm I'm on another plane right now. Uh, the me of this plane is very much dead. This is just my essence. It was trapped here uh, by the dude. And I'm probably not going to last very long. Uh, I got a crossover at some point. And they're like, <laughs> fuck. And he's like, yeah, yeah okay. Um, <laughs> so he gathers up a bunch of crystals and he casts the spell on the little crystal chunk. Uh, 
and he gives it to Practor. And he's like, here, take this. It, it'll be useful. And then he basically whispers something in Marold's ear. And he's like, yeah. And Gore with her's like, y'all have been lovely. Uh, <laughs> thank you for getting me out of the crystal thing. Did not like the past couple hundred years that I've been stuck in there. Uh, peace, I'm out. And then he basically fades, fades into oblivion. He just, yeah, yeah. Now, let me, uh, I, I, this is, this is not the only time that Meryl either whispers something to somebody or has something whispered to her. And this to me, and we're going to get to it, but I want to, I just want to put a pin in this now where this is, this is like, I had a hard time imagining how long he was whispering to her based on what's going to come up based on what she figured what she does yeah yes yes exactly so she starts gathering up some crystals and she takes them over to the spinny wheelie thing that they find at the far end of the room which is similar to the spinny wheelie thing they found down in the barracks, I believe. And she's like, oh, yeah, uh, he told me how to use this thing. And she puts in some crystals to charge it and she starts spinning the wheel and uh, they all got to hold hands while they stand around it. And the room starts spinning around them. And wouldn't you know it, they have been teleported to the throne room uh of the castle and it's massive it is a gigantic throne room there are there are windows in this throne room bigger than any of the buildings that uh what's his face practor has ever seen before there it's Mm -hmm. just this gigantic structure and in the middle of the room at the foot of this grotesque gigantic statue it's just a statue this grotesque gigantic statue sitting in a throne is basically Dante from Devil May Cry, but (laughs) (laughs) like eight feet tall. That's kind of how I pictured him in my head. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if I can find it. It was like for for this guy supposed to be him, him. He's meant to be a demon kind of guy. And it yeah, it just he's like, he looks like a man, but he has lizard eyes. Right. Yeah, that, that's it. That's really it. Like, so you just I just got popped Dante from Devil May Cry in there and it was yeah. good to go. You know, I'm happy with it. that. That'll do. Yeah. Why not? They approach and they have a little tete a tete. They have some words. They exchange words. And he's like, I'm fascinated that you guys got in here, but you guys are going to go pretty quickly. And he calls his guards <laughs> and they start. a. There's this is the beginning of the end. They have their final showdown starting here. And Hargrod barks out the orders. They form a defensive triangle around Merald and they just start fighting off these little gremlin-y, demon-y dudes, slicing them down. And they kill everything. They they they, yeah. they kill everything. And the the demon guy on the throne, who we're calling Dalbrad for now. Um, sure. Yeah. He's like he does the Thanos thing and says, I'll do it myself. And he hops off yeah. the throne and immediately kills Srannel. Just yeah. so quick. Oh, just kills the shit just out of him. so quick kills the shit out of him. Just. <laughs> it's like for for how like YA and very kind of like cute, charming, 
this has been up until now. It's 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 not the worst thing I've ever read, but it's kind of a surprisingly graphic death. Yeah. Like he just impales him he on impales his sword. He impales him on his sword, pulls him out, and Sarandal dies in a puddle of blood with a surprised yeah. look on his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, look, look, we all knew that Sarandal would die with a surprised look on his face. He, that is he does the, he, that is two characters. Yeah, that's that's right, right in right in character. So they um, yeah. they start fighting. Hargrod is is pressing the advantage on this giant demon dude. And he can't make contact. Basically, he's ephemeral. He can he yeah. can kill them, but they can't touch him. And then uh, Merald whispers something to Hargrod. And Hargrod takes the stick of truth that they have been using <laughs> so often recently. And Hargrod... Yeah, a very valuable magic item. Uh, Hargrod just stabs him right through the fucking chest with the yeah. stick. Yeah, And... That turns him solid with with the with the the stick in his chest, and this dude's like, "Oh, well, that's not a good thing." And Practor then stabs the dude in the back, and he's like, "Oh, I am slain," and he falls yeah, yeah. falls dead <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> and I love they have a moment there where, as Practor is stabbing him in the back, he's saying like. He basically has like a not the hero we need, but the hero we deserve moment, where he's like, "This isn't the kind of." Uh, killing blow that a hero should do, but it's what we need to do in this moment. Like, it's this like, dude, just fucking kill like, him. As he's stabbing me, like, this isn't chivalrous. <laughs> no. Yeah. But then you weren't specking as a, as a knight, so... Yeah, come on, man. Let's just get on You're with it. You're a fighter. Jet, that's all fucking you Fucking lawful good over here. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Lawful good. Bore me to tears, Practor. Anyway, Practor's like, <laughs> so we did it, right? This, yeah, we're yes. good. Yeah. We're good. Uh, Sarandal died. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of a moment where they're like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. But we did it, right? Hey, what, what is it they say at one point? Someone says, like, I didn't expect it to be that easy. And he, he has a good point. He goes, tell him that it <laughs> tell, was that easy. It it's Sarandle. like, oh, right. Sarandal's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're standing there and they're like, well, we did it, and no, they didn't, because nope. the giant thing that they thought was a statue was not a statue. That was Dalbrad. It is this gigantic, grotesque, like, oh, that's the king of the demons. And Dalbrad explains, right. like, that was the prince of prince of darkness that you just killed. He uh, he basically does all the work that I that I ask and he does all the moving because I don't like to move. He literally, I love that line. Uh, <laughs> literally, he's he's pissed off that he is being forced to move. He literally says that. Uh, and now I'm going to kill you because I hate moving because moving is like the enemy of intellectual pursuit or something, something like that. Like that. It's like, like, it's such a like, waste oh, of time. You know, I didn't expect to be, I didn't expect to be attacked like this in my home <laughs> by this, by this fantasy novel, but fuck you a little bit. Alan Dean Foster. <laughs> this was, this was, it was like a uh, mojo from, from Marvel. The, you know, the, <laughs> The alien dude who just floats on a platform and watches people kill them, kill each other. Um, I love it. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. So Dalbrad grabs Practor in his hand and is going to eat him. 
And Practor yes. takes out the gem that uh, Gorewither gave him and throws it right down the right down the gullet, and that basically causes Dalbrad to explode from the inside out. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of like the scene in Return to Oz where uh, uh, the 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 gnome king is trying to eat Dorothy and uh, a chicken egg falls into his mouth and he just crumbles to dust. That's how I imagine. That's pretty it. much how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And now evil is defeated. Now it's done. And they're like, oh, man, Serenal is still dead. <laughs> <laughs> still, still dead. Still dead as a turk. Still out. dead. He's still very dead. And then Marold is like, well, maybe not so dead. Because uh, Marold, I swear to God. This, this castle, even though the owner of the castle is gone now, uh, both of them, Gorewither and Dalbrad, it, the castle still has its own magic and wonders and all that stuff. So they go over to a particular statue, which is it's it's basically a statue of one of the brothers of aid. I believe they had explained explained them a little bit earlier. They were like these yeah. mystical monks or what have you. And they have to they make an offering to the statue and the statues like uh, your offerings accepted and it takes um, it resurrects Serenal. And they're like, yeah, they literally use a flower that they find in the room. And like, that's 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 what we got to offer. He's like, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring anyone back to life for a random fucking flower that you found on the ground. Thank sure. Thank you. Uh huh. You guys are great. It's about time someone opened up to me. And uh, Serrano's alive. And they're like, well, that's that's the end. <laughs> Serrano, like he's a he's alive and immediately he's talking shit. Immediately. He like grabs the sword from one of the, the the demons and like gets killed by a trap immediately all over again. God damn it, Sorrel. All right, can, if we got another flower, can we bring him back again? Yeah, man, it's your flower, whatever. Your flower, you know, it's fine. Yeah, dude. Uh, so that's pretty much the end of the, the book. Yes. At, when it's, I say pretty much, that is the end of the book. Yeah, yeah. We get we get a real quick recap on like, What's everyone using their the the treasure that they're inevitably gonna go grab for? All right, you're getting a house. You're getting a house for your sweetheart, and you're gonna do your Scrooge McDuck thing, and you're making a school where you teach children of all the races uh, to be condescending dickweeds. Tis the end. The end. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> this book took a hard nosedive in the last <laughs> really four chapters. Did. It really did. God damn it. I was loving this book up until they got to Shadowkeep, which is what the book's about. <laughs> which is, which is, by the way, the thing that made me happy because too frequently with these books, you get to a point where you're like, okay, we, we're having fun here on the journey, but are we ever going to get to the fucking point? And the book's like, hey, we're halfway through. We got into the point where here's the adventure. And you're like, Thank you. And then like five pages in, you're like, oh, no, yeah. I was. Yeah, I was enjoying this much more when it was like The Hobbit. Uh, yeah, it was it was very fun. And I think what happened was all the characters kind of became flanderized. Yeah. In once they got to Shadowkeep. So all of their worst characteristics became the only thing about them 
Yeah. So Srannel was he he was a rogue's rogue. All he cared about was the the gold. And Merald was the know-it-all. And Practor mm. was the naive leader who yep. just was like he, he's Leonardo. He's the Leonardo. And mm. uh Hargrod was the only one doing his fucking job without <laughs> Hargrod was the the competent one. Competence. How about that? He brought a lot of competence yeah. and he flanderized into even more competence. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of my issue with the book as we go through Shadow Keep, where it was it felt neat. And then there was a bunch of things that felt like they were being set up that just never paid off in any measurable way. There's yeah. there's the innkeeper, the mysterious innkeeper, Norrell, with all the stuff that he had in the back. I thought that Nothing. something was going to come of that. Um, we get we get all these little little tokens and stuff like that that are picked up in shadow keep yeah. that never come back around and and that actually brings me to my question now having said that we have not played this game is it possible that this is meant to be tie-ins to the game itself yeah. and it was meant to like be hints along the way sure. somehow yeah references to stuff that happened in the game perhaps right i don't know and that's the thing is that there isn't enough there isn't enough information about the game. It is available on my abandoned where to download as pending that you have a Apple II emulator somewhere uh, lying about. Right. Which I'm sure is not is not that hard to find out on the Internet. But uh, yeah, it's and if you look up online, most people only play like 20 minutes of the game, which I think is right. only a portion of the game. If you find videos, I can't it. imagine. Yeah. So that's the thing is I don't know enough about the game itself to say confidently that these are not references to the players of what you're supposed to do in certain situations yeah. or what or hints as to so, like how to kill something or what have you. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that being said, a lot of these little things did not they felt like setups and then they had no payoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. In the last third of the book, there are a bunch of little setups that nothing comes of it. I also found myself very annoyed with how frequently we had in this is along the same line where we had information that was clearly kept between usually Merrill and somebody else. Right. And it it's never explained. It's just this coy little like, well, this is something I know. It's like, that's but God, come on. Like, I'm not saying you have to explain every little thing, but either either explain it or don't yeah. like it, it. It it becomes a weird. it was just a weird choice. Yeah, it was a very it weird, was a weird choice. choice. Also, Shadowkeep, the traps and, and stuff that they find in Shadowkeep was a little bit of a letdown for how much it was talked about. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be a little bit more intimidating than 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 what ends up happening, if that makes sense. I, I get the distinct impression uh, that if Shadowkeep uh, existed in the South, uh, then a handful of preppers kids would have completely wiped it out uh, ages ago. Yeah. Uh, it was it's not it really, especially with our characters, they don't show any grand abilities. Right. 
you know, they're they're scrappy. It is. But if that's all it takes, then why did we need an interdimensional uh, character to come and choose somebody to go right. in and end this thing? It, it didn't yeah, feel like it took the stuff with the. It was a level three adventure at best. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It was. Yeah. It was a starter. It was a starting adventure that yeah. it tests low level characters on a much within the confines of a much larger campaign. B- big time. Absolutely. That's, that 100%. is that yeah. is how I view the the castle of Shadowkeep itself. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. This, you know, Temple of Elemental Evil, this is not. No. No. <laughs> this is barely lost minds of Fandelver. <laughs> right. Right. It's just yeah, it it gets like I said before, I think this book did was at its best when we were in the Hobbit mode, where it was when like we're the, building the, the real Shadow Keep was the friends we made yes. along the way. When we were building <laughs> the know? world, that was where oh, the, that was so much that fun. That was where the book was at its best, and I felt like yes. this could have been. This is a book that could have been. Um, uh, <laughs> One piece. One piece. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I think it, it, it's a book that could have been much, much longer, mm. possibly twice as long with yeah, sure. a little bit more worlds building in there, but also just more shadow keep and, and just a, a little bit more interesting shadow keep. We could have had like a third of the book be gathering the party. And then, yeah, and like this, that would have been a good book. You know, this twisting, turning maze of a place with intricate, you know, yeah. basically take a, a really good dungeon crawl and and novelize and, and write it. it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which I think on its on its face, this was what it was meant. That was that was the idea. Right. Um, but either, you know, I said before that this book is very much a, a product of its time. Sure. Uh, with the fantasy, and I stand by that with the fantasy part, but based on what I suspect, I, I have to give the benefit of the doubt and assume that the, that the, this is meant to be read in conjunction with the game sure. uh, on some level. And if that's the case, then it's doubly um, a product of its time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think it would be yeah. worth um, maybe we'll maybe we'll ask the man about it. Maybe. Maybe we'll ask. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's distinctly possible. Maybe we can ask yeah. Alan Dean Foster what the. There's only one way to find there's out. There's only one way to find out. By asking him. By asking him. Wink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are we being coy about? We're like Merrill in that fun book we just finished. We're like Merrill's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the new sex of the city. You're such a Merrill. You're such a Merrill. <laughs> what are you playing? Oh, oh. Um, I, I have, I am, uh, I haven't been able to play as much this week because of moving and stuff. You guys might know that my, my, my office is like growing around me. Uh, but um, I did get a chance to play one really interesting little indie game that I highly recommend. Uh, called Save Room. Hmm. And uh, this is, I think it's like a few bucks. The game is literally taking 
the uh, grid-based inventory system of Resident Evil and turns it into a puzzle game. Oh, that's so cool. you're. It's really neat. Like, so you have your your grid with your inventory and you have a bunch of items and you have to, by hook or by crook, get them all fitted into the grid. And some of the items you can use, some you can combine with each other. Others just have weird, they take up weird, you know, shapes and sizes in it. And you just have to figure out what works best. It took me like a handful of hours to like fully beat it. Uh, but I, I was I I was not I basically took care of it in like two sittings right. because I just couldn't stop. I was like, this is this appeals in a very real way to the puzzle part of my brain. And the aesthetic is totally Resident Evil, like the, the font, everything from the font to the the items, their herbs and stuff like that. And uh, it's just a really neat, uh, very simple puzzle game that, you know, takes you a few hours uh, and and I I had a blast with that's it. It was cool. so much fun. That's, it cost a few. That bucks. sounds fun. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it was super fun. Save room. Save I room. highly On recommend. Steam? It. Yep, totally. Cool, cool. Um, in terms of what I've been playing, I finally polished off all the current achievements on Vampire Survivors. That's hey, uh, so achievement twins. Achievement twins. So we'll see if that happens. If that stays. Uh, <laughs> fine until when they uh, do the 1.0 update. Fucking game. Yeah, they're just probably going to add a few more achievements and take my little blue ribbon away that I have on Steam. It's um, a that ribbon is such a oh, it's so good. It feels so good. It feels it. so good once you get that blue ribbon. It's actually the first game that I got the blue ribbon on for for Steam. And, oh, awesome! And I was like, oh, so that's why there's a little outline of a ribbon next to achievements. Never knew that. <laughs> I love it. I'm such an achievement nerd that it's like that. It's yeah, I've got I don't have a lot, but I have a few. Yeah. And, and it always feels so friggin good. Other thing is I finally I beat my second playthrough of the quarry. So I'm probably pretty much done with that for now. And nice. How'd you did you uh, do you you manage to get the achievements you were looking for? Hold on, Camilla's. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Camilla. Hi. Hello. Goodbye. There we go. Um, when she's older, we've got to get her to guest on this. Yes, of course. <laughs> so what was I talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I finally finished my second playthrough of The Quarry. And yeah, I got I got the achievements that I was looking for. There's a bunch of other ones that so I, yeah. I have 72 percent of the achievements, 29 out of 40. Um, that's very respectable. It's a respectable amount. I think I'm I think I'm going to go ahead and uninstall it and be happy with my time spent with the quarry. Um so I can That is that is exactly uh the attitude I think one should have. At a certain point you just go, "You know what? I'm uninstalling you and I'm and I'm content with that." I'm content That's with going you. To I played you for 25 hours and yeah. I had two full playthroughs. I got all of the clues and all the evidence in the game. And I saw uh, and I did a playthrough where I kept all the kids alive. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's that I'm great. <laughs> that's gonna, yeah, it's going to have to do. We're good. <laughs> um, coming up next, because people were talking about it, I might be back on my bullshit and mm. uh, reinstall XCOM 2. Uh, <laughs> 
Oh, fucking God. You see, now you said it. Anytime someone says X come to, I get a little tingle and go, well, maybe. Well, maybe I should install it. Maybe. What's it's like that meme with with uh, what's his name from The Hobbit um, with with Bilbo, uh, like looking down at the ring like, after all, why shouldn't I put the ring on? Why why shouldn't I reinstall XCOM 2? (laughs) (laughs) I've got you know what? I'll tell you what that helps me scratch that itch. Uh, I I have it on my switch. Ooh, and that uh, and it's not it's just as buggy as it is on PC. So (laughs) what's the difference in anything? (laughs) No, man. But 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 you can sit on the couch sitting back, you know, and hang out and you know, and, and just play a level or two or something like that and and get pissed off, throw it across the room and, and, and you know, just like you would with your PC. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know what I did, what, what I did put in a deposit for, though, and I'm probably oh. not going to get it until the end of the year, is a Steam Deck. <gasps> oh, I, I keep thinking about yeah. that. Yeah. I keep thinking about that. Yeah. Because I'm finally at a point where I'm making big boy money. And it's like, <laughs> but I should probably upgrade my PC before I get a, a toy, uh, a toy PC. A toy switch. PC. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I, it's, it's, I think it's more, more potent than the Switch is. Um, mm-hmm. It actually will have a dock too. So you can, oh, wow. It, okay. it, the cool. dock is not ready yet, but it will have a dock that you can just like sit it in. You're like, well, now it's on your TV or whatever. So right, well, that's that's pretty bad. I'm I'm thinking I might do it. I don't know. That that does sound awesome. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, I need to. I will basically need to hear all about that from you uh, when and if it comes yes. in. Yes. Uh, because that 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 would be that's that's the kind of that's one of those items that is very much a my friend loves his and therefore i need to grab yeah. one kind of thing. yeah exactly so we'll see yeah. we'll see how it is i'm 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 cautiously optimistic that it'll be uh the worst purchase of my life uh, <laughs> it's gonna ruin your with, life <laughs> it's gonna be something that absolutely ruins my life we'll see um yeah yep. so that'll do it for our coverage of shadow keep the next Hell book yes. that we are reading which is great because ubisoft is totally in the news when are they not in the news for, <laughs> when for they, being when they, they've the worst? They've done nothing com- to get out of the news. They they're just in the news and they're the worst company in the world. But regardless, they're terrible. Um, most of the a lot of the companies that we talk about are morally bankrupt anyway. So that's not going to stop it's us true. from doing our show. We are going to be covering this guy right here. It'll be a one Hell episode, yes. one episode special. We are talking Assassin's Creed bloodstone i got the complete collection in here it, it's the complete collection's not very long it is not yeah it is yeah. it is probably four issues or so it looks like uh that was turned into a graphic novel so we are going to read that cover that in one episode it is in Assassin's creed story set in vietnam so there's no way that this is going to uh turn out in a way nope. that is uh Good. I have low expectations. <laughs> it's an Assassin's Creed story set in Vietnam, written by a French guy. Who it's it's which, two of the three two two of the worst things of all time right there off the it bat. It is it is not a good idea. But we're gonna read it anyway and mm. see what's up. 
come on, come on. What show do you think you're listening to? We're going to we're going to do we it did, anyway. We're going to do it. We didn't start a Shakespeare podcast, people. We goddamn did not because No, sir. Because that would be a terrible idea. Who the fuck would be listening I mean, to a it, Shakespeare podcast? I don't think that I don't think it's like no one wants that's if you think if you think that uh, that we're reaching a limited audience now, wait until you hear our opinions on King Lear. <laughs> Boy howdy. Boy howdy. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I always associate King Lear with Diablo um, because huh. of the was it the first boss in uh, Diablo um, King Leoric. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, makes me think I the name always makes me think of Lear and I don't know. Um, I never even thought about that. That's awesome. So every time I see King Lear in my head, I think of Leoric from uh, from uh, Diablo. So, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Why not? Anyway, no, we wrapped up another book, my friend. What's that? Shit. We wrapped up another book. Yeah, we wrapped up another book. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> For those of you watching on YouTube, you're missing all. Those of you watching on YouTube saw what I did. Those of you listening. Yeah are missing all the bits that I'm doing with my... For, for those of you who are listening at home, Kevin uh, tossed his book into the air and it exploded and became two dubs two that dubs. flew in opposite directions. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Eat your art out. Magic uh, show. What's his name? Uh, uh, who's the director that... Uh, oh, 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 you talking about Jet Li? <laughs> no, well, Jet Li was in the movies, but who's the director who did that shit? Um, oh, he also did Face Off, right? Yeah. Yeah, I With think... His fucking doves. I think so. I thought you were going to say, Woo. like... Eat your heart out, John John Woo. Woo. <laughs> I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to say, uh, like, like uh, uh, David Copperfield or something. <laughs> Eat your heart out, David Copperfield. <laughs> in dubs everywhere dubs everywhere anyway follow us on our socials uh, pixelit pod on twitter and instagram uh, and then go ahead to our website pixelitpod.com you can find links to our discord as well as our steam group where we are curating only the finest reviews for the games that we mention on what are you playing now I've no I've there are 15 people in there and it makes me so happy. 15 people in the Steam group. It's so nice. Um, but that'll do it for tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening and have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>